Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. This episode will be on House of the Dragon, Episode 8, Lord of the Tides. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. We had another insane episode of House of the Dragon. Every so, episode's yeah, insane. So much happened. Every, every episode, there's so much stuff going on. It's, it's, it's nuts. It can be a little hard to keep up with it, but I think that the slow pacing of the scenes, and the scenes are very long, and it lets you like really understand the dynamics in the characters, because we have a lot of new faces in this episode in terms of actors. Yeah, and it's been another 10 years, so this is the final time jump, definitely, for this season. I think going forward for the show in general, this will probably be the only time jump left, besides maybe some flashbacks with the younger actresses, which would be pretty cool. Now, it opened up with the succession of Driftmark is in question because Lord Corliss has been away at, in war for a while, and he also has suffered a serious injury, and people on, are unsure of if he'll survive, if he'll even come back to King's Landing, come back to Driftwood and be take over the throne of Driftmark again. So there is a big question and petition by the end of the episode to who will succeed him at Driftmark, even though it's supposed to be Lucerus, Rhaenyra's son, although Vaemon, Lord Corliss's brother, is making a ploy, a play for the throne of Driftmark, Driftwood, because he eventually calls out her children for being bastards. He fi- finally, someone says it, it's the first time, and he's like, "They're bastards. She's a whore." And oh then David cuts his head off. Oh my god! <laughs> he didn't just cut his head off; he sliced his head in half. It was insane, unbelievable. I was that was so insane. I jumped up and screamed like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> this allows me to scream this entire yeah. season. I screamed like at least once every episode, yeah. but like we were both screaming. It was like the Dodgers won the World Series in Los Angeles. Not that we're Dodgers fans, but that's what it sounds like. Yeah, fireworks. <laughs> fireworks <laughs> are going off. I was like, oh my god, that was insane. It was unbelievable. I, I, some great balance between great drama, excellent character work, and then moments of excitement and act. And a moment like that is just like unbelievable. It put so much energy into the into the episode, and also it paved the way for like going forward. Luke is definitely it seems like going to be the Lord of of Driftwood from now on. So it's Drift Mark, and the throne Driftmark. is called Driftwood. Sorry. The throne is Driftwood. Driftwood, the actual the wood throne. The wood throne, yeah. So we'll be sitting on Driftwood. <laughs> yeah, we'll be sitting on Driftwood <laughs> and Driftmark. And I but I do think that Corliss is going to survive. And I'm not sure how he'll feel about his brother getting cut, his head getting cut in half. Yeah, I don't know if he'll we'll be see. cool with that. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we know Lord Corliss because Rhaenys uh, supported him in the petitions, saying that Lord Corliss was had basically said that succession would go to Lucerus anyways, even though he's not his blood. He's like, it's all about legacy and names to Lord Corliss. And Rhaenys giving her credit to stepping up and, and fulfilling the shoes of her husband while he wasn't there for being honest about his position on the matter. And I was also, I wasn't sure if Rhaenys was actually going to try and make a ploy because she did say to Corliss that she had given up on trying to claim power a generation ago. But this was an opportunity where she could have possibly made you know, a kind of a play for some potential power, and she chose to follow her husband's wishes and what he wanted. And so it was a bit very revealing for her character. She's always been kind of ambiguous about does she want the throne, does she want to pursue power? And I think this was a big step forward for the character and the audience understanding who she is, what she really wants. And she suffered so much. Like, she's lost kids. She now lost a brother-in-law. And there's been so much death in her life. 
I think that she is has turned into kind of like a ruined person, and it's a, she lives a very difficult, solitary life now. And hope, I'm sure Corliss will survive, but if he doesn't, I mean, who knows what will happen? It's a, she's living probably the most tragic life of all the characters. Probably. I want to talk about the acting in this episode. It's really stellar. I mean, we have a bunch of new actors coming in to fill the roles for the older Targaryen kids, the older Valarian kids, all older. And again, I think this is like the final actors and actresses for these Must roles. Be, yeah. Uh, because, again, this is just season one of several seasons. As well as our main players, I think specifically uh, Olivia Clark with... Um, Olivia I Cook? Mean, I mean, Olivia Cook with Alicent and Emma D'Arcy. With, sorry, so many goddamn names in the show. <laughs> Alicent and... <laughs> sorry. Every time. <laughs> Alicent. And then uh, Emma D'Arcy with Rhaenyra... And then even Viserys, obviously, Patty Constantine, doing such a great job showing the progression of age through physical movement in their, in their physical performances. So you can really tell, like, they obviously look very similar because they're still like, very young and beautiful people, but they uh, <laughs> they look older. They feel, like, old pe- older, like, they feel like that 10 years have passed, like, their bones seem heavy. You could tell Olivia Cook, especially, she deepened her voice a little bit, and she, she, she sounds older. And she has kind of, like, a sort of hunch. It's great acting. Yeah, and what it, what's interesting is that we now see that Renera and and Damon had a couple of kids, so Renera has a, a whole litter of kids. She's had what six kids six now? Six kids. So three with Damon, just like Miss Devaney. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems as though it's actually a smart play because they're basically building an army, and the more Targaryen blood they have, the better. The more dragon riders they have, because the episode opened with Damon finding a new batch of three eggs left three by his dragons, and so I think that. They're trying to, they're building an army essentially for their side and to protect their family, to protect their house. And the only way to do that is to have as many of them as possible. So it would make sense for them to just pop out as many kids as possible. Now they have, there's eight potential dragon riders among them. No, nine because of Bela, mm-hmm. Damon's daughter. So there's nine pot- potential dragon riders in their house, which is very formidable. That's a lot of dragons, yeah. a lot of Targaryens, and. They're like you said, they're becoming even more formidable. And I thought it was really sweet when uh Rhaenyra and Damon introduced Viserys to his new grandchildren. Little Viserys. Especially little Viserys and little Aegon. Let's so another children another child named Aegon. Um Viserys, what an episode Patty Constantine had here. Incredible acting. I mean, very few times do actors really give convincing performances of dying. I think that the final moments of Viserys' last breath were really stellar acting. Patty Constantine will no longer be in this show that we know of unless there's a flashback or something, but Viserys passes away at the end of this episode, but not without making important statements for his family. You know, he's on his deathbed. He's got a missing eye. He's got parts of his face have been rotting away. He wears this mask. Two-faced. It's basically two-faced. Um, and I, I love the moment where, you know, this is like his final day and he kind of knows it. He kind of, he's like, I'm going to put my energy in today and this will be it. This will be last of me because everyone's coming to King's Landing. Damon and Rhaenyra are there. All the Targaryens, the Targaryens and Velaryons are there. And he wants to have a final dinner with the family. Awkward. <laughs> it turns into like a really important moment. So before that, though, is the petition for Driftmark where... Everyone's trying to, like, Vaman pleads his case, and then Rainier is about to plead her case for Lucerus. And then 
Uh, Viserys, who probably hasn't been seen by the families in, in months because he's been dying. Who knows the last time the public saw him. Walks to the throne of his own accord with his walking cane. And then I love when Damon helps him to the... That was great. That was a great moment. To the throne up yeah. the stairs and puts the crown on because his head. Because the last time they were in the throne room together, or or like in just in episode two... Every where, time they're in the throne yeah, room together. Yeah, it was always so much conflict. And then to see Damon there... Helping him, supporting him, and then putting his crown on. I I got a little choked up. It was it was a great moment for the two of them, and it seemed like they needed that, and they kind of, in a way, repaired their relationship in this last day. And Viserys importantly stands up for her do- his daughter Rhaenyra, which she asks for, like fight for me if you want me to be the true heir, fight for my children, and he makes the claim in that obviously Lucerys is. The blood of Rhaenyra and Lord in the uh, the Valarian line. So Lucerys has to will be the the new Lord of Driftmark and the new Sea Snake. And then I, that's when Vaman makes his uh, proclamation proclamation that they're bastards. Gets his head cut off. But it was a really important moment for the family for the Targaryens that uh, Viserys stand up for Rhaenyra. And Patty Constantina, it was it's been a great performance, and he really has been I think the best actor on the show. Because he had such a great range of things to do in the slow decay of his mind and body. Uh, so much conflict. And he really knocked it out of the park. A stellar job by Patty. He'll be sorely missed. But the visual effects were really fantastic on him. They did the same thing, it seems like, that they did with Downey in Avengers Infinity uh, Endgame. When Downey came back in the opening of that film and he was very malnourished and skinny. Same kind of visual effects were done on this. And it was very believable. They, his face was sunken. He looked like he weighed 80 pounds, and it, they used a body double, obviously, but there was a lot of visual effects put into that, and they did a standout job. The visual effects team of this of the show really made it look believable without going too far, and it really felt like this, this man was had withered away, and Patty sell, sold it with his uh, physical performance, uh, his voice, the teeth, they, he has like stone teeth. I think they did a, a knockout job with the entire package deal of this Viserys on the last day of his life and it was very emotional when he decided to go do away with the milk of the poppy which basically is kind of like morphine it's like their version of morphine so he's been on it for who knows how long just living in this drug ridden state trying to escape the pain of his disease and I thought it was really moving for him to uh, walk up to the iron throne on his own accord struggling but fighting through it to show a lot of strength within his character. Now, before we get to the dinner party, which was really <laughs> exciting, there's a lot to talk about in terms of Alicent, who had... Got it right. <laughs> kind of. Alicent. You said Alicent again. Oh, my God. I can't, I'm sorry. Alicent. Al- remember I said, think of Allison. I know. Alicent. Alicent. I yeah. know. I got <laughs> dyslexia from mom, right? Yeah, you say it. Rhaenyra's name uh, both ways, too. Rhaenyra and, and what? In Rhaenyra. You say it Rhaenyra, both Rhaenyra. Yeah. yeah, you say that both That's ways. That's like the same thing, almost. <laughs> Tomato, tomato. There's just no consistency with you. I can't keep up. No consistency. <laughs> Alicent um, has changed sort of the decor of King's Landing. Now we have the emblems of the seven stars everywhere. She's wearing that around her necklace, which is a different religion than what the Targaryens practice. And this is the seven-pointed star. It's the main symbol of Westeros' official religion. I think this happens later on in Game of Thrones. It's the seven gods, yeah. It represents a collection of religious We're familiar texts. with that. Uh, faith in the one God who has seven faces, each of which represents an aspect of life. Father personifies divine justice, judges the souls of power, souls of people after death. So a religion that I think obviously we see is going to start coming into Westeros and King's Landing because of Alicent and the High Towers and their uh, imprint on the 
politics and religion of the empire of the kingdom. And so really important scenes between her with Rhaenyra and Damon where they realize that Alicent is in charge of King's Landing. She is running the kingdom. And Otto. And Otto too, yeah. the hand of the king. Her father, because Viserys is just bed bedridden with his pop the milk of the poppy. And so they're questioning her judgment and she says that we just my father and I just make decisions based on the king's wisdom and they're like what wisdom the guy's bedridden the whole time so clearly he's high on poppy all day they're unhappy with the fact that allison is basically queen now even though she not is she technically isn't rightfully in charge of the kingdom because the king still is because he's alive and then we got so much character transformation with the dinner hold on there's still more to talk about let's get some more before the dinner okay okay let's save the dinner for the end of the episode we have um, i mean i can do whatever i want the i'm just gonna say because allison she does give Renera that significant uh, gesture of showing, like, you would make a fine queen. Yeah, yeah. So, so she goes through transformation Yeah, in this great episode. reconciliation. Yeah. Before the dinner, though, we also have Kristen Cole came up for a minute. He's uh, training Eamon, who's become a very good warrior. Oh, Eamon looks so cool. Eamon barely speaks in this episode, kind of like Damon. Obviously, I think they they recycled the name, show the recycling of the pure blood of the Targaryens, which is kind of funny. Uh, so Eamon seems to be like a, a firecracker or just like a, a wild card. We don't know what he's thinking constantly. And he seems to be sort of like a young Damon in a lot of ways, which is really interesting. I think Damon sees himself in Eamon. I liked how they're saving him. Like they, I know they're saving him for some crazy scene that's going to happen in this season. And he definitely respects and in a way fears Damon because when the kids have that fight later in the episode and Damon stands in front of him, he just stops his pursuit and just leaves the room. So he wouldn't. He's not ready to stand up to Damon, but you can tell that he sees Damon as like a formidable foe in the future. And he also like he smirks at some things that Damon does. Like he, I think he respects Damon in a lot of ways. As they, they he sees a lot of uh, himself in Damon as well. I think they're gonna have a fight sometime, hopefully this season. But I see an epic fight between the two of them in the future. And I like how they're really. He's not saying much, but you can tell of. Allison's kids, he's definitely the one to be feared. Yeah. Now let's get to the dinner, which was a really great scene. Hold on, I'm not ready for the dinner. I'm just gonna... <laughs> I'm gonna throw my phone off your face. <laughs> ready everyone? You you hear this? Hey at the end of the head. So the dinner I thought it was an incredible scene because there's so many uh changes in emotion and tone. And start off with Viserys giving an emotional speech because he knows that he's probably on his way out today. And he wants everyone to come together and reconcile their differences and there's a great quote where he's like, you, you, you've all seen your faces. You haven't seen your faces in so long, and, and you've all become so distant, and you all basically hate each other, and you're all against each other fighting for the throne or, or fighting for power. And he wants them to come together and reconcile and settle their differences, which leads to a couple of great speeches. The first one from Renera, who basically apologizes to Alicent, and Alicent does the same to her. Really great moments, and after the dinner, after the scuffle between the boys, she says she'll come back on Dragonwood, and they seem to have like a their friendly, intimate touch with it, which they haven't had in decades, probably, which is really sweet. It was, it was actually, and it it was real because Renera taking that step to speak up and to try and mend the wounds that have been done upon both of them and try to repair this relationship. Once she made that step, then Allison responded to it, and that's all it needed was just. The reciprocation of uh, an apology and the show of love. 
And unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be short-lived. But also, it was very emotional because Viserys, he saw his family on the surface from his perspective looked like, oh, we're kind of like a family right now and things seem to be okay. Although once he left the room, then the trouble started. But I think everyone was behaved, everyone was on, the kids especially, was on their best behavior. Like the Alison Renera seemed to be making a big stride, but then the kids, they're too divided. And I don't see them ever getting, really becoming friends like and repairing any kind of relationship. But so once Viserys left the room, then the fight started. But it was, I thought it was really great that Viserys, in one of his last moments of life, saw his family having a pleasant meal together and making amends all on the surface. Obviously, the kids' toasts, they didn't mean it, what they were saying, any of the kids. But I think from Viserys' perspective, it looked like it was legit. Especially because he saw Jace dancing with Amon's wife. Uh, I can't remember her name. She's Rhaenys' daughter, right? Yeah. Um, his sister, yeah. His sister, I mean, yeah, his sister, who <laughs> were betrothed to each other, which made Eamon jealous, even though Eamon was busting his chops about being betrothed to uh, Damon's daughter. He's making fun of him, like, hey, do you know how to have sex, basically? So clearly the Targaryen boys are the troublemakers, and the, uh, the Dame, I mean, the, um, rain, hold on, hold on, all right, I got this. <laughs> Allison's kids, kids, yeah. Targaryen kids, are the troublemakers, whereas Rhaenyra's Targaryen kids are not the troublemakers. They seem to be the most reasonable in trying to be respectful and uphold the traditions of their name and their honor. Whereas the whereas Aemon and Aegon, they are just going to constantly be butting heads with the other kids constantly. Yeah, Aegon is definitely the instigator because Aemon is definitely the warrior and the man, the one who's like, he seems to be bloodthirsty. Aegon's older. Yeah, Aegon's the older one. He, so he was the tall, lanky one. And he's the one that sexually assaulted the servants. Yeah, exactly. And... But it seems like he's not a warrior, and he doesn't seem like he wants to be a fighter or even a leader. But Aemon definitely has that in him. So it looks like they'll be a great pair for, you know, Aegon can be the political one and Aemon can be the warrior. Um, and by the end of the episode, we learn that Allison is going to try and make a, ploy, a play for Aegon getting the throne. Because she... Well, because this is an incredible final moment. This yeah. is the last words that Viserys speaks to anybody, to his queen, to his wife. And he brings up Aegon's dream, his dream, the song of ice and fire. It is true what he saw in the, in the north, that prince, the prince that was promised. He's speaking to Alicent, but he thinks Alicent is Rhaenyra. And he says, the prince to unite the realm against the cold and the dark. It is you. You are the one. You must do this. You must do this. But because... He thinks it's Rhaenyra. He's speaking to both Rhaenyra and Alicent have sons named Aegon. Which one? Alicent thinks that he was speaking to her knowing he that she was Al- Alicent and thinks it's about her son Aegon, even though Rhaenyra and Alicent just reconciled their differences. Introduced Aegon to him early in the episode. And now, yeah. obviously, they're going to be enemies again. And it seems like, you know, Alicent... I like how Renera pointed out that Allison has been loyally by Viserys' side, taking care of him and being a you know an honest and true wife in a lot of ways. And I think that Allison never got any kind of recognition about that. She you know we saw many instances of her tending to his wounds and taking care of him and making sure he's comfortable. And obviously she didn't marry him for love, but there is a love between them. She does have like. A, 
a love for him. You can see that, especially in that final moment where she's giving him milk of the poppy. And she, the way she that Olivia Cook reacts to seeing him in pain and seeing revealing his face, you can see that she feels very bad for him and wishes that he wasn't in such pain all the time. You can definitely see that. And she means well as a wife in a lot of ways. And she, I think she is always trying to do right by Viserys by this time in their marriage. Obviously, when she was younger, she, I think she definitely regretted, you know, just popping out babies with this guy just for political power. But I think now she has a, a, a love and a respect for Viserys. And she, and this in turn makes her devoted to what she thinks is his last request of her. And she goes, I understand my king. And she's like, I'm going to carry out your wish. And I think that she's going to be motivated by Viserys' last wish. And I think it's going to be a very profound motivation within her to honor him because they develop such a, a, a deeply connected relationship, not super intimate. But I think that her love for Viserys will show in her actions going forward. Which is wild because an hour before that happened, she said that Rhaenyra will make a great queen. So drama, and little, so little drama, do they drama. know it's the they're both the wrong Aegon. <laughs> <laughs> the irony, Aegon's not coming the, for another hundred seventy years. Wrong prince that was promised. Yeah. So what an episode, what an ending is incredible. But that's what that's the ending explained. In case anyone was a little confused by what Viserys was saying to Alicent and why Alicent reacted to the, what she said, Viserys thought he was speaking to Rhaenyra, his daughter, and talking about her son, Aegon. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. So this is going to be the cause of the division. Because they were just starting to repair their wounds. They were just... They were getting they, there, they man. They had that moment. And then, man, the milk of the poppy, bro. <laughs> what an episode. I still can't believe there's three episodes left. Again, it feels like a season finale. <laughs> Every episode, it does feel like a season finale. Because the, the stakes are always so yeah. high. And then there's the conflict is so great. And then it has great conclusions and excellent cliffhangers where it's it always feels like an, a fitting conclusion to a season like if I, it ended yeah. here i would be like satisfied but i think we're gonna get i think we're gonna get a big battle before the show hopefully before the season i hope done. so because we got teased with that great episode three battle with yeah. damon taking out the crab feeder which was so epic but the show is so good you don't need that every episode you only oh, have exactly, one piece yeah. of real action and gore in this episode with damon cutting off Vayman's head and it was great because uh, Viserys said, I'll have your tongue. And then Damon cuts his head off. He's like, you still got his tongue. <laughs> he can keep his tongue. <laughs> he can keep his tongue. Oh, my God. This is great. Oh, but, um, man. Man, I, I see Va- um, in terms of battles, I can see Aemon doing something crazy soon because he seems like to be a better fighter than Kristen Cole at this point. Because Kristen Cole, again, great acting by the actor. He seems like he's aged quite a bit. He's got a little gray in his hair and he lo- he seems older. But also... Aegon, I mean, Aemon says he doesn't care about training. He wants, like, the real thing, he said. Like, yeah. He wants the he's real... Like, you'll, you'll be great in a tournament. He's like, I don't care I, about Tony's. I don't tournies. care about <laughs> I want to kill someone. He's so just, he's just... He's craving real battle. Yeah, he's like a, a wild animal just waiting to get set. Wild card! Wild card! <laughs> he's going he's gonna to mess some people up. All right, thanks for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Become a patron for, patron for as little as $2 today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Everyone gets a bonus episode every week, so thanks for that. Uh, can't wait for episode two recap next week. I mean, episode nine recap <laughs> next week. For episodes this week, yesterday we did underrated horror movies, an incredible list and lineup of films that we love that many people don't really talk about in the horror movie genre when it comes to social media and podcasts and stuff like that. As well as Thursday, we're doing an episode on the Cornetto trilogy. Heck yeah. Three flavors Cornetto. It's a great one. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Thanks for tuning in and talk to you all soon. Goodbye, everyone.
Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.